Hi, everybody. This is Kate Brown, executive producer of the Making Data Simple podcast. As we transition into the new year, we're going to do a couple of repeats. This week, part one is an interview that Al conducted with Rob Thomas on business success. Enjoy. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Welcome to the Making Data Simple podcast. This is Al Martin speaking. Uh, thanks to all our listeners. Uh, our listenership continues to grow. And more than anything, I started this for fun, so that just makes it more fun. You can find us on IBM's Big Data Hub. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on SoundCloud, and you can also get us on on iTunes. So we pretty much got all the bases covered. Today, I've got Rob Thomas, General Manager of Data and AI at IBM, and we're going to get into some great topics today. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Al, thanks for having me. Congratulations on the podcast. I have been following it. You have an amazing audience and a lot of great people on here talking about a variety of topics, so great to see Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We have fun with it. So look, before we get started, are you still working out? You still reading excessively? I spend as much time possible reading. Absolutely. Love reading. Try to do try to exercise whenever I can. You know, the start of the year has been a heavy start, a lot of travel, so that always that always moves things around a bit. But overall good. Yes on both is the short answer. Yes on both. So on the working out piece, what do you think? You get four days a week at least? I probably get five days a week. Wow. So there you go. Mix it up. Some weights, some running, some biking. I'm thinking about possibly trying to do another marathon later this year. So if I could stay healthy, I might do that, which would have me do more running. But yeah, I'd probably get five days. That's good. Are you doing the Peloton? I am. I've got the the Peloton bike and I, for some reason, we bought the Peloton tread, which is their treadmill. It's actually quite good. So is this, is this for you or is this for your wife or for both of you? You guys really use it extensively? We do. Yeah, we use both of them. So, yeah, it's both of us. So we've, we've got a working out family. My older son plays football, so he's got to get in shape. So he'll probably start using some of the gear as well. <laughs> well you don't want to get him too thin. You got, you got, he's, got to, he's got to bulk up. That's true. All right. Uh, and lastly, any, any new books that you're writing that are on the way that we should uh, look out for? Not yet. I have a desire to do a book which probably won't be a business topic. I just I realized last year that I finally got into the age where I ha- now have nephews and nieces and eventually my children that are getting to graduation, graduation of high school and on to other things. So I've been pondering a book that would be relevant to a high school graduate or a college graduate. So something that's a little less of a, you know, period piece like you know business thing to something that would have hopefully longer lasting relevance so i'm thinking about something for nieces and nephews and my children but more more to think about and do on that nice very nice all right well so uh, this this interview i think is going to be good timing because we're well into 2019 ibm recently finished its think conference and that's where you get to hear about uh, future innovation from the chairman Arvind Krishna, who's the SVP of Cloud and Cognitive. We even heard from Joe Montana and Tony Hawk. So 
we heard from Rob, and so you're in good company with Joe Montana and Tony Hawk, man. So I, I want to look back at this conference, but the first question I have, I know you changed your focus, or your title at least, from analytics to data and AI. Can you say a few words about that? So think about it in the market. The I'd like to say data and AI are two sides of the same coin. And there was this MIT study about a year and a half ago that said 80% of AI projects fail because of incomplete data or data that can't be found or put to work. We did decide to combine those two units in IBM. So what was our data business and our AI business became one unit as data and AI. And it gives us a lot of synergy and product strategy, the investments that we're making, how we go to market. I think it solves the whole life cycle of problems that clients face from help me find the data, help me understand the data, help me get new outcomes, build new business models with AI. So it seems like a good decision. And um, I think, you know, client response has certainly been positive. You know, we often talk about data being the world's new oil. I, I don't actually get tired of that analogy. And given the amount of data we have right now, we're going to have to use AI or some form of machine learning to get through it all. So uh, I, I don't know if you feel this way. i got to believe you feel this way. But I, I don't know if there's a better place to be, really. It's there's no better place to be. That is clear. And if you think about it from an IBM perspective, what became clear at Think, I think to everybody, is IBM is anchoring the company strategy on two things. One is multi-cloud slash hybrid cloud. The other one is data and AI. And I've always believed for anybody in their career, you always want to be where the tide is rising, meaning where the focus is, where is the tip of the company strategy, how is the company aligning resources and investments for the future, and there's two places for that. It's multi-cloud and it's data and AI. So I don't think there's a better place to be. And when you think externally, so you look outside of IBM, what's the number one thing that every board is talking about, every CEO is talking about, every company is trying to figure out? It's how do I put data and AI to work to drive competitive advantage? So I'm not sure there's a better place to be. I concur. I agree with you. So let's jump into the IBM Think Conference for a minute which is our annual event. For those of you that don't know, we had it in San Francisco this year. A little bit damp, but I thought the venue was pretty good, and I'd say if it wasn't. Um, this is where we gather our clients, partners, thought leaders. We talk about innovations, both now and in the future. From your perspective, what do you see as the biggest announcement that came out of Think? We announced Watson Anywhere, which I think is a huge deal. And a guy named Ron Miller, who I know writes for TechCrunch, one of the articles he wrote after it was he said, IBM's decision to put Watson anywhere, making it available in any cloud, he said, this is, in his mind, it's akin to when Microsoft decided to make Office available on iOS. So where they kind of, when they separated themselves from, I'd say the Windows shackle, IBM's decision to make are really our crown jewels, everything that we're doing with AI and Watson available anywhere, he compared the two. And I think it's an apropos comparison. It's certainly what clients have been asking about. And I think the decision to do that is, is a critical one. 
that will not only help IBM, but it will also help our clients a lot. The thesis was very simple. It's very hard if every data or AI project starts with, all right, I've got to move terabytes or petabytes of data somewhere else to where the AI is, that's a problem. We're enabling the AI to come to the data, whether that's on private cloud, on-premise, on any public cloud. I think that's really going to change what's possible for our clients and partners by doing that. Look, I think that's a, a good testament. And uh, given that uh, I hold some Watson responsibility, uh, it's certainly exciting for me. You also, I know, spend a lot of time with, you know, either attending sessions. I know you were giving sessions, probably more so than attending, but visiting with clients. I visited with some clients with you, connecting with partners. How do you feel this year? I mean, what, what do you think, where is the, um, where are the, where are the clients at right now? And what I mean by that is, what are they excited about? What are they worried about? What are they uncertain about? Just anything under that umbrella. I spent some time with um, our partners, Cloudera, this week, and a couple of them made the observation to me that they were they were blown away by the energy that they saw at the Think Conference in San Francisco. They said it was unlike anything they'd ever seen in San Francisco and for an IBM conference. It was a kind of a combined thought. And the observation I heard from both people separately was every time a conference is that good and there's that kind of vibe, it's typically because everybody's on the same message. There's a level of alignment and strategic clarity. And I think that came out. It goes back to what I said, the company's anchoring around multi-cloud and data and AI. And I think that really came out of the conference. And, and so I, that was one example of who I heard it from. What I heard from clients was just connecting the data and AI thought. It's almost like a sigh of relief to them because many of them are being asked to do something in AI. And the first problem is a data problem. And that's not necessarily well understood in their organization. So then their AI project delays and they're getting pressure or they're getting pushed but they can't do anything because they haven't made their data ready for AI. So I think I'd say the way that we connected those dots, the way that we talked about methodologies to solve that problem, you know, this notion of there's no AI without IA, meaning information architecture, it's resonating. I think that's why you hear positive view from business partners, clients, and you see a new level of energy from IBM. Were there any surprises, anything that really caught you off guard? The uh, carpet in the street caught me off guard. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that type of setup where we rolled out carpets and sofas and TVs to, you know, the middle of a downtown city and literally <laughs> shut, shut down multiple streets. That surprised me, but I thought it was amazing. It was a great setup, and I think that's – Another reason why people really liked it because it was so social and inviting. That surprised me. <laughs> it was it was great. It did when it started raining though. It got a little wet there for for a bit. Car wet carpet is not always good. But uh, yeah, we closed down the whole street and look. When it wasn't raining, it was packed out there and they were using those sofas. So I agree. So uh, anything else that any and and. Maybe you don't have an answer for this because uh, I know I'm throwing this at you uh, cold, but uh, anything that 
you come back from thinking you're excited to start working on that that wasn't really on your radar before you before you got there? I wouldn't say it wasn't on my radar, but the thing that jumped out to me was how much people are struggling with to get a little gorpy, what I would call data curation, data discovery. We can go do an AI pilot, do a successful project, but that project is really only gonna scale to the extent that you can bring the enterprise data to the project. And clients are really struggling with that part of the value chain in terms of you know value creation out of data. So I knew it was a problem. You know, we've talked about it as a problem. I've heard it, but I'd say it was the most pronounced I've seen. I'd say second observation is people are more willing to experiment around AI. I would, I'd say the last couple of years, it was the kind of thing where a company would rally their whole organization around one or two big AI projects, you know, 50 to 100 people, you know, nine to 24 month project. I think people have realized that is the wrong way to do AI. AI is about 100 experiments or 200 experiments, understanding in advance that half of them are going to completely fail, but being okay with that and iterate, get to initial outcome in four to six weeks, then think about how to scale it. So the whole approach has changed. And it's, while I feel like I've been saying that for a bit, this is the first time I've heard clients saying that and thinking that aggressively, which was positive. Probably talks to some of the alignment that you said you heard back in terms of feedback from Cloudera too. I mean, I, I agree with you. It seems like uh, the community is more aligned than ever. So let's dig on uh, AI for a bit. I know it was a big focus, uh, in particular how businesses can and, and will incorporate AI. You presented a keynote session that was accelerating your journey to AI. Can you talk about what your message in that uh, keynote session? There's really, I'd say there's two ways to attack AI today. One is clients that want to build their own AI. And part of our responsibility is to provide the best tools, the best capabilities in the world for clients that want to build their own AI. That's probably, you know, just my lens. That's half the market. People want to build their own. The other side is people that don't want to build their own AI. They want us to solve a problem for them and deliver that as a packaged application. So things like customer service. Everybody wants customer their customer service to be better. If you can infuse that with AI and deliver that in an easy package, that's going to have a lot of interest. My keynote was really about that overall journey for a client moving to AI, how there is one you know, toolbox capabilities for you to build your own AI. Or second, we've solved some problems that we know are common problems, like healthcare, like customer service, like data discovery. We package those up into applications. I had some great clients with me on stage. Nedbank was talking about how they're working along what we call the AI ladder. They've, you know, formalized their data collection, their data organization. Now they're doing the build their own AI. So they're using our tools to build their own AI. Thought that was a great example. I had a credit mutual on stage who didn't want to build their own AI 
but they wanted to transform their customer service. So they were talking about how they were using our Watson Assistant, which is an application, an AI application for customer service. So that was a good contrast. Had New Jersey courts on stage talking about how they're using, they built their own AI using our data science tools to serve the court system in New Jersey. And KPMG was on stage and they've gone a whole step further down the path, which is clients they're working with that are building their own AI. They're helping them do explainability, bias detection, how they understand what's happening in those models. They're using Watson OpenScale for that. So the client examples were varied, but kind of fit in this category of building your own versus looking for an application that makes AI easy. We had some great demonstrations as well on stage. Well, we'll put that in the show notes as well where folks can go take a look at it. But one, you got to remind me, one of the sayings you outlined, you said something, you compared ML to something and you compared AI to like a presentation or something. Can, can you repeat that? Do you remember what that was? Yeah, just a joke. It was a little joke at the start where I said, look, everybody needs to understand the difference between machine learning and AI. And everybody kind of nods their head. Yeah, you know, I want to understand the difference. And I said, look, if it's if it's written in Python, it's probably machine learning. Everybody nods their head. And I said, if it's written in PowerPoint, it's probably AI. <laughs> I thought it was good. And look, it's, you know, it's uh, obviously it's a joke, but it, it's the point of AI has kind of taken on an, an aura of mysticism, like it's some magical thing. And therefore, you get a lot of imposters that show up that are pretending they have something incredibly magical. In reality, what they have is PowerPoint slides. And really one of the themes of the, of the presentation was that AI is not magic, it's computer science. It's about tools if you want to build your own AI, or it's about applications if you want to solve the problems that we pre-solved for you. It was really a practical approach to how you make progress on AI and gets away from this AI is magic mysticism idea. Look, I, I, not to be a homer here, but uh, I think I think you're onto. I think the two issues that I see personally are, to your point, is is we we've you got to have a culture of you know many of these models will fail. Uh, you already said that earlier, so you got to get up beyond that because you know half of them will be very successful. But then the other half, I I find many clients are struggling with this. To your point, is that they don't know what's under the hood, and you can't explain it. So hence the reason we've got a, a huge push towards. Uh, removing bias, or at least outlining any bias, explainability, et cetera. And I think that's going to be the, the next catalyst that gets clients to, to make that move. I presume that's your view as well. Well, why don't I just ask you, what's your view of the responsible use of AI in the world today? You see it the same way? One of the great things about working for IBM is I think we've always been a steward of responsibility. I don't think anybody's ever questioned the integrity of IBM can you trust your data with IBM? And we've always taken the lead on all these topics, whether it's from things like GDPR, uh, Y2K was an example, which was about, you know, we couldn't have computer systems falling apart back when Y2K happened. You fast forward now, or about a year ago, it was about data protection. And I think our policies on data protection are still unsurpassed in the technology industry in terms of we're not using your data to train models to benefit other clients. Your data is your data. 
any models we build for you or your models. Like we've been super clear on the data responsibility piece. That extends to AI responsibility, explainability, bias. Do you understand what you're doing? And responsible use of what AI could be in the future. I really ask this question to clients a lot. For a topic as important and as sensitive as AI, why would you really trust anybody else other than IBM on this topic? What's what's changing, do you think, in 2019, though? I mean, as we, you know, what, what's going to be the uh, defining factor, you think, if we, if we find ourselves at 1231, uh, 2019, I mean, we look back and what, what are we going to say 2019 is different? How is, how is it different than 2018, by example? I think you'll see way more experimentation to go back to that point on mass experimentation. Because of experimentation, we're going to see more positive outliers, meaning if you know, if you do 100,000 AI projects across, you know, a broad swath of clients, you're probably going to have five, like, outstanding successes, maybe probably more than five. Um, you know, the problem is we may, those may not come to light because the best outcomes typically, you know, there's a competitive advantage reason to keep them secret. But my guess is you do that many, you're going to have a subset of just outrageously positive outcomes. You're going to have 50% that completely fail, like I said before. And then you're going to have 45, 40% that you're saying, hey, that's a really good outcome. Let's figure out how to make this bigger, how to scale this. So I think you start to see real business impact from AI in 2019. And I think we saw some of that in 2018. I wouldn't say we saw broad success, meaning all industries, all geographies, but I think you start to see that in 2019. Are there any particular industry or sectors or applications of AI that have your attention right now? There was a report I read, I forget who wrote it. Their comment was, look, AI has its biggest impact in two places. One is on customer service. So it's not an industry, that's a horizontal. Number one, customer service. Number two, supply chain. And I think we've got great examples of both. At Royal Bank of Scotland, we've you know, automated 40% of what they're doing from a customer service perspective using AI. That makes their agents that much more effective dealing with the cases that the AI can't solve. That's one example. On the supply chain side, it's things like what we've done with Niagara Water. They were talking at our event last October where we're using data science and AI to change how they make selection on packaging materials, how they use that to optimize their supply chain and their purchasing. So when I read that, I was like customer service supply chain, I could immediately see where we'd had this, had, had big success, successes there. So that resonated with me. I think those are hot areas right now for sure. We're certainly from a customer service and the listeners should know that uh, we're eating our own cooking from a Watson standpoint. We've got a chat bot that's uh, 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 has a fundamental, or what I want to say, a foundation of, of Watson uh, that that searches a the corpus uh, of data, not just our own, but uh, external. We've got uh, also Watson going through, or you know, walking through some of our cases to help the engineers to drive down time to resolution. And we got an external bot that clients can use just to, to go directly. Uh, but before I pivot uh, from Think, I got another question on the journey to AI. I will say to the listeners as well. I don't know. If, I don't know if you uh, 
Rob caught my keynote. I, I did a keynote on modernizing your data platform, making data simple, accessible, and ready for AL or AI, whatever you want to choose. I did it with Jeff Jonas from Sensing, who, who brought in some entity uh, insights. But uh, it was it was the best one out there, short of yours, of course. I'd, I'll put that in the show notes, and folks can take it out. But in in I may be a little bit repetitive here, but you know a lot of our customers are focused on climbing what you call the ladder to AI, and I've talked about that in this, this podcast previously, and that's going from left to right. I call it going to a you know making your, yourself a digital business, you know going from collect, um, organize, analyze and then infuse, but that's also you know, data, unified governance, analytics, and ML to get to the top of the ladder. And again, I'm sure you may repeat, I don't think there's any harm in repeating yourself if, if you do head in this area, but what do they see when they get up to the top of the ladder? I mean, what's, what's the, the pinnacle here? When, you, when you're up and you're at the top, what does it look like from that angle? Well, let's use the example from your keynote. You know, you were talking about data modernization platform and what we're doing there. You know, a platform, while while it accrues some level of value to IBM, which is great, most of the value is accrued to the ecosystem, the partners that play on that platform, and then the clients that use that platform. So I think Sensing is a good example where they have built their application around understanding entities, understanding patterns and data. They've built that on top of IBM Cloud Private for Data, our you know data modernization platform, and that is a good example of being at the top of the ladder. Meaning you've got data in the platform, you've collected the data, the data has been organized because we do that automatically using machine learning in the platform, and then you use something like Sensing, it takes you right to the top of the ladder, which is okay. So which are the customers that are you know creating the biggest risk in my business? or which are the customers that I should be taking action with because potentially they will churn. Like they're doing that next piece of analytical insight that leads to a business outcome running on the platform because the platform provides the ladder. That's what's at the top of the ladder. And that's what it is if you use Sensing, if you use, you know, if you build your own solution, it could be an outcome like I mentioned with Royal Bank of Scotland or Credit Mutual or Niagara Water. I mean, there's tons of examples of what the top of the ladder looks like. There's no, there's no one destination. The key thing is you got to have the building blocks in place to enable that at the top. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out. Oh.